power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. Just begin to bless the name of the Lord. Just bless him. Lift up your voice. Give him glory. Give him praise. Give him glory. Give him praise. In the name that of Jesus. Give him glory. Give him praise. Yes, you. Why am I? Oh, we did me 
Jesus, come on. Tetramenina, make us say who you are. It's a job for Jesus. Come on. Empire, for Jesus. Be free, my comrade.
clap you give for Jesus. It means you don't understand what Good Friday is. So I want to give you a remedial, an opportunity to better your grace. So put your hands together for Jesus Christ. I thought you were even going to be on your feet. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. If there is any reason to celebrate Jesus, it is because of what today represents. Hallelujah. You may take your seats. I think you passed the media. You have bettered your grades. Hallelujah. Alright, tonight I want to share with you a word. Someone say a word. Say it again, a word. And then we'll quickly have our communion. This is the best day of the year to have communion. Hallelujah. It is, it is a very good day to have communion. Amen. And you know, I, I always tell people that Easter and Christmas sermons are some of the most difficult. Because it's, it's the same portion of scripture you're going to preach from. And, so, and people know the story already. But there are always lessons we can learn from them. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Alright, so tonight I'm going to speak to you on what I've entitled nuggets from the easter story you know what nuggets are they are nuggets or treasures or lessons from the easter story hallelujah all right this this easter story contains a lot of things we can learn for our own lives hallelujah not just the fact that jesus christ died for us and his blood was used to cleanse us of all our sins. There, there are a lot of things we can learn. And today, I don't know, it depends on time. I may give you five, maybe I'll give you six, maybe I'll give you seven. I don't know <laughs> how many nuggets or lessons that we can learn from this Easter story. Hallelujah. All right. I mean, it's, it's going to be very, very, very simple things. Don't be deep like that, but they'll help you. Amen. Most of them have to do with how Jesus handled the whole matter. You see, we, we are supposed to be like Christ in our lives. Amen. This was a crisis situation in Jesus' life. This was a period of affliction. And the Bible never promises us an affliction-free life when we come to Christ. He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Hallelujah. So, some of the things will be how Jesus handled this period. There are times you go through stress. There are times you go through affliction. There are times when things seem to be going against you. So, we are picking some nuggets from this Easter story. Hallelujah. I want you to turn with me or punch with me to the book of Matthew, the chapter number 21. And we are reading from verse 1 to the verse 11. All right. It says, and when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to this word, I don't know what, what is it? Bible scholar. Is it Bedfaji or Bedfish or whatever? Whatever there is a bed and there is a something. Alright. Unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples. Verse 2. Saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straight away ye shall find an ass tied and a coat with her. Lose them and bring them unto me. Verse 3. He said, and if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, the Lord had need of them. And straight away he will send them. Verse 4. 
He said, all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek and sitting upon an ass and a coat, the foal of an ass. Verse 6. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Verse 7. And brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes, and they sat him thereon. Verse 8. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. Verse 9. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Verse 11. And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Hallelujah. Now, this is a very interesting portion of scripture. We are told that Jesus Christ sent two of his disciples. He sent two of his servants to go to this town and he told them that when they go they will see an ass that has been tied to a tree I can preach a whole message on that ass that 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 donkey or whatever you know but today I'll just brush on it a little hallelujah you see this donkey let's call it a donkey the other word it sounds some way some star it's a donkey see a donkey we all agree it's a donkey hallelujah the donkey the donkey had a purpose and the purpose of that donkey was for God himself to to ride on him into Jerusalem a glorious entry into Jerusalem but that donkey had been tied to a tree. In the same way, there are a lot of Christians who have great purposes. God wants to use them for his glory. God wants to do mighty things with them. God wants to ride on them to, to do great things. But something is tying them. Some things are tying them until this donkey was released from what was tying it it would never have fulfilled its purpose and Jesus Christ knew it was going to be tied so he sent them with an instruction he said untie this donkey and if anybody asks why did you untie it say the Lord has need of him today anything that is tying your destiny anything that is preventing you from fulfilling your purpose in God today may you be released in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and if anybody, if the principalities, if the powers if the witches, if the wizards, you ask why are you being untied? the answer is that the Lord has need of you some of you God wants to use you to preach the gospel, some of you God wants to raise you as apostles and prophets and evangelists God wants to raise some of you as international level worshippers. God wants to raise people as counselors who will give wise counsel to people. God wants to raise people as a child evangelist. God wants to raise people who will do things for the kingdom of God.
God. Something may be dying you. Sometimes it's, it's even a small habit. Sometimes it's a small besetting sin. It's, it's a little weakness that is in your life. But today as we take the Holy Communion and, and the power and the death and the resurrection of Jesus is brought alive in you. Let anything that ties your destiny be broken in the name of Jesus. Anything that represents a besetting sin and a weakness in your life, let it be broken in the name of Jesus. May you be set loose to seek, to find, and to fulfill your God-given purpose on this earth. If you believe that is your person, shout hallelujah. He was tied. But thank God, he was loose. Today, God has sent me to use the word to lose you from anything that prevents you from releasing yourself for God to use you fully. May any ties, may any entanglements, may any ropes, may any chains be broken today by the power of the word in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God. But I've still not come to my first nugget yet. This one is just I'm just exercising my voice. <laughs> but you realize that Jesus' troubles started in Jerusalem. It didn't look like trouble in the beginning. Because when he entered Jerusalem on that donkey, it was a very glorious thing. This man brought the entire city to a standstill. Everybody stopped what they were doing because there was something happening in the city center. A man sitting on a donkey had entered the city. And suddenly everybody was hailing him. They said people were putting their clothes on the ground. But you see the interesting thing about allowing God to ride on you and God to use you is that it wasn't even Jesus who was walking on the clothes. It was the donkey. It was the donkey who was walking on the... This donkey who has never washed any clothes before. Hasn't even touched soap before. Hasn't carried a bucket of water before to know how it feels like to wash clothes. Was walking on people's clothes. If you will surrender yourself to God, if you allow God to ride on you, if you allow God to use you, you will walk in places you never thought you would walk in. You will sit with people you never thought you would sit with. You will walk in the corridors of power and influence. And may that be your portion in the name of Jesus. When he entered, it was a very, very powerful thing. The whole city was jubilating. So the question is, why were they happy? Why were the people happy? And I'll tell you why they were happy. You see, the people of Israel, the Jews... They were at a point in their lives where they needed a deliverer. They were under a lot of economic hardship. You see, they were under Roman rulership. So they were sort of considered a, a province of, of, of the Roman Empire. And being under the Roman Emperor or the Caesar in those days had certain implications. One of them was the fact that whatever you earn at the end of the month, there was a 40% tax. Taxation didn't start today. There was a 40%. That means whatever you earn, if you divide it into 10, you take 
it as tax. That is first level of taxation. The second level of taxation is that these people were Jews and it was required that one tenth or your tithe, a tithe of whatever you earn at the end of the month must be sent to the temple to be given to God. So Caesar has taken 40% and then the big man up there has also taken 10%. That means whatever you work for at the end of the month, you only take half of it home. They needed a political and an economic messiah. Somebody to come and lead them in rebellion and say, we no go sit down, make you cheat us again. Say no to. <laughs> you said it too. <laughs> hey, when the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, there's nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun. They needed somebody to lead them. So I'm sure some people were in their rooms, in their houses, and like, ah, Charlie, this one, it be demo. This one is demo. Kumi preko and all those things. Charlie, there are people who came to join the thing and didn't even know why. Because at the end of the day, they just held him and nothing happened. <laughs> he collected the funds free, like Saddam collected free funds. But in their minds, it was the beginning of a revolution. They thought a revolution was sparking up. So they were excited. But you see, there's no time to read the whole thing. Immediately after this jubilation, Jesus entered the temple. And when he went into the temple, he went to see things he didn't like. People were doing business. The house of God had been turned into a house of business. Instead of it being a house of prayer, people were using it to do all kinds of things. Hallelujah. And Jesus was not excited. It doesn't mean if you sell Sobolo after church, it is not. We, we like the Sobolo. Don't we like the Sobolo? It's different if you are selling it while I'm preaching. But after church, it is a good thing. Hallelujah. Ah. I have to clarify the way some of you were looking in some particular direction. It's only interesting. I sell pie after church. It's not bad after church. When he went there, he wasn't happy with what he saw. All kinds of corrupt acts were taking place and things like that. People changing money, Charlie, you know, those kind of things. And he got angry and he pulled out the whip. I don't know where he got it from, whether he went into the temple with a whip on him or there was a whip somewhere. I don't know why there should be a cane in a church if it is not children's service. he managed to get a whip and he entered the temple and started turning their tables around suddenly I believe news broke into Jerusalem the guy you were hailing that he was coming to help us to get money he was coming to help us to improve our financial situation some people are trying to make some extra money and he has gone and he has lashed them was lashing there. We're like, no. You 
are not what we thought you were. This is not what you promised us. You are inflicting more hardship on the citizenry. If you hadn't come, it would have even been better. I'm not saying anything. No. I am preaching the word of God. <laughs> there is nothing new under the sun. Everything you see has happened before. <laughs> Said, no, 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 no. You are, you are not what we thought. When we held you, we thought you were coming to lead us so that things would be better in our wallets, in our pockets, and in our bank accounts. But the small extra that we are trying to get to you, 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 are, you are coming to spoil matters. So now get to number one. It's not everyone who sings your praises who really loves you. The people proved it because their love for Jesus was very fickle. It was based on whether he was doing what they wanted or not. You see, we might look at these people and say, ah, these people do their some way, do their some way. But the truth is that they are a reflection of us. Yeah, they are a reflection of us. In our relationship with God, you see, the way in their minds they had made Jesus an economic and a political Messiah, a lot of us, God is an economic Messiah. Like we have reduced Jesus to Him meeting needs, and that is it. The day you were expecting him to meet a need, the day you pray about something, you fast about something, and you don't get an answer. Suddenly, the whole healing and the whole hey, hey, hey turns into something else, and you are angry. You are disappointed. This is not what you promised me. This is not what you told me. It's the same even with how we relate to even pastors that God gives to us. You see, they thought Jesus was coming to lead them against their enemies. The day pastor comes and we are binding your enemies. Hey, your enemies will die. Say, hey, we are happy. We are excited today. Yeah, this is the kind of church we want. Warfare. Sons and daughters of war. Yeah. But the day the pastor enters the temple and decides that today I'm going to shake tables. I am going to turn tables over. I am going to hit at the very core of your weaknesses and the sins that beset you. That they, oh, are you this man? Is that how you are? Come and preach and let us stand on our feet and fold our arms and say, mm, 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 mm. You are blessing my life. Today you are preaching hard. You, you, you are cleansing the, the church. This is not what we wanted. So, so don't be too quick to judge those people. You are like that. You and I. Let me add myself. We are like that. Hallelujah. We are like that. They say some people have permanent interests. They don't have permanent friends, but they have permanent interests. So long as you are meeting their interest, you are their friend. 
and this was how the people were. When they thought Jesus was coming to meet their interest, they were hailing him. But when they realized he came for another purpose, they changed the H in the hail and replaced it with an N. So the hail became nailing. We shall not hail you again. We shall nail you. We will nail you. So that's lesson number one. It's not everybody who sings your praises who really loves you. And may God give you the discernment to know, to recognize and appreciate those who truly love you and are in your life for the right reasons. Ah. And some people, they visit you only because there's food. The day the food dries up and there's no more food. You won't see them again. Away, they are gone. the garden of Gethsemane after the supper he had carefully chosen three guys Peter James John like the cream of the crop you James and John Jesus himself has given you a nickname. For Jesus to give you a nickname. To look at the two of you and call you Bonerges. Which means sons of thunder. That means he, he believes you. You are fiery guys. But that day in Gethsemane, where was the fire? Where was the thunder? Thunder boys were sleeping. trouble was coming we're supposed to see the sounds of thunder I should form some male prayer group call it Bonerges <laughs> sounds of thunder if you can't stand and pray for six hours you will not come there uh, every, every man of God needs some sounds of thunder around him you that he trusts so much on the day he needed you the most you were sleeping when things, good things were happening, you were awake. When he was multiplying bread, that one you were awake. When he was healing the sick, you were very much awake and brandishing the fact that, hey, we are the sons of Jesus. Like that, that's my father. That's my, that's my father. You want to be associated with the glory. But now that crucifixion is coming, spitting is coming, lashes are coming, nails are coming. Oh, that. You are sleeping at this time of the day. You are sleeping. <laughs> so, what is lesson number two? Learn to cry your own cry. Stop depending on people, stop expecting everybody to understand your situation. Stop expecting everybody to be empathetic. To 
understand exactly how you are feeling. Nobody can understand exactly how you are feeling. The nails that were coming were, were not coming into Peter's palms. The crown of thorns wasn't going to go on John's head. The spitting was not on the face of James. It was all on Jesus. He was the only one who understood what was coming. In fact, I don't even know why he took Peter. And I'll tell you why. I don't know why he took Peter. Because he didn't even believe in the vision of this crucifixion going to die in the first place. The day Jesus mentioned that I'm going to die, he called Jesus and said, come, 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 come. Let me advise you, stop talking like that. The Bible said he called him aside and rebuked him. Called him aside. You are the only one who can understand fully your situation. Nobody can understand your situation more than you. And nobody can be more fervent in prayer about your situation than you yourself. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. That means for prayer to avail, there must be some fervency, there must be some heat in the prayer, there must be some passion in the prayer. There are some things if you don't understand the situation, you can't generate the passion. Who, who else can understand the situation and generate more passion about that situation than you yourself? That your singleness, no, that is a problem for you. people can just help you small but you are the one feeling the thing in your heart you understand what I'm saying you are the one who can go on your knees and it is not likely to generate tears in any other person especially if God has sorted them out in that aspect of their life already they can't understand what you feel hallelujah uh -huh. they can only sympathize and empathize to a point but you are the one who is in the situation that money problem that, that you don't know how your next school fees is going to be paid as you are going for uh, first semester vacation second semester you need warfare like warfare must release something for you to be able to come to school other people can't understand it fully you are the only one who understands it that thing that is a burden upon your heart that's why during our visitation I give time for self-directed prayer there are some prayers nobody can lead you to pray it is only you and even you yourself, sometimes when you open your mouth, you don't know what to say. When you don't know what to say in a prayer, how can you even explain the situation to somebody for the person to understand? But thank God the Bible says, we do not know how to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit of God maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Sometimes when you get into God's presence, you don't even know what to say. Your groanings and your... God just understands it because he's one that sticketh closer than the brother. Learn to cry your own cry. Others can only help you a bit. But the main prayer must be yours. People pay people to fast and pray for them. I was hearing a woman lamenting on radio. Said the prophet, and I made You want the guy to fast and you are giving him milo. It's like you are preparing the breakfast with him. Give him things for supper. So that you know that at least breakfast you will skip it. But you are giving him milo and bread to fast. <laughs> you expect him to watch the milo like that. <laughs> it's not going to happen. 
I pray that God will give you the grace to agonize for yourself. When Jesus came and realized they were saved, he came three times. He had every reason to be offended. And now some of you, you are offended with people because you thought they should have been there with you or there for you at certain points in time in your life. So you are holding a grudge against them your whole life. If only this person had given me a soft loan. Soft. The key word is soft. Because you see him smiling around you, you, are, you assume he has money. It's the joy of the Lord. Oh. <laughs> that, that joy, that in the peace that surpasses all understanding. That understanding, do you know what it is? Understanding of the situation at hand. There's <laughs> a friend of mine who was supporting this gentleman in their church. Like, oh, she'll give it, oh, once in a while, give us one. The gentleman finished SHIS and went to apply to a, a school in the United States. You that want to eat is a problem. Maybe he has a lot of faith. We thank God for the faith. He went and applied. And he came to my friend and said, they said, if I will come to this school, my school fees is $20,000. USD. <laughs> Not Liberian dollar. This one is United States dollar. And can you believe this gentleman was expecting my friend to foot that bill? Take $20,000 and give to me. And he was offended. They are saying, hey. <laughs> he was offended. $20,000 in this day and age, in this economy. The dollar right now is running away. <laughs> if you want to arrest it, Christ, lie, lie. <laughs> expecting the person to pay. So he was offended. So there, there are a lot of us who, who are offended with people because there were certain times in our lives that we expected them to help us. And they didn't. But you see, Jesus wasn't offended with them. Instead he said, after three times of coming, being disappointed three times, yours is even once, three times, came, he said, he made an excuse for them, he said, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Learn to make excuses for people. Learn to make excuses for your brothers. Learn to make excuses for your spouses. Hallelujah. It's not every time that you hold things against people. Try to understand where they are coming from. And me, when I sit and about the thing. Me, I understand why. You see, somebody like Peter who promised Jesus, I'll be with you every step of the way. Hey, this, that, 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 that. Peter was a typical sanguine. Beware of the promises sanguines give you. They may be giving five other people the same kind of promise. <laughs> when they get excited, they talk. They say big things. You see, Peter at the beginning of this whole thing 
he seemed to be keeping his promise of being with Jesus every step of the way. How do I know? He actually cut somebody's ear. When they first attempted to arrest Jesus, he took a knife, cut the person's ear. But you see, there's a way in which Jesus made him feel like he was crying more than the bereaved. I'm trying to understand Peter here. That me, I'm trying to save you and defend you. You tell me, put the sword where the sword is supposed to be. Those who live by the sword shall die by the... I'm coming to help you. And then you take the ear without any local anesthesia, no sutures, nothing. You just perform plastic surgery, perfect one like that. Hey, this guy... advise himself that Charlie, me this thing he just did, I can't do I'm sure he had seen Jesus escape many attempts I'm sure probably there were times he even vanished and things like that he said this man, he can walk on water, the day I attempted I almost died let me not compare myself to him so Peter advised himself actually, the next time even if a little baby asked me to one of this man's people, I will deny it. Because the way this guy can do things and to make matters worse. Do you know Peter had a wife? Me have a wife, oh, this guy, he's single. They catch him and they kill him and he dies. There's nobody who will mourn him. He is a single guy. Me have a wife at home, probably with children. I'm trying to understand Peter. <laughs> Try to understand Peter. Look, make excuses for people. Don't be too quick to bear grudges against people. Don't be too quick. That is a way to maintain healthy relationships, even in marriage. Make excuses for your spouse. Try to understand them. If you are not understanding, can understand. You have to understand. That's the way to maintain peace. So nugget number two, learn to cry your own cry. And it looks like there's a sub nugget today. Learn to make excuses for people. So that's nugget two B. <laughs> learn to make excuses for people. You see, there's a place you get to when no human being can help you. It's only God. So don't be too dependent on people. There's a place you get to know human being can. In the garden of Gethsemane, you see, what Jesus was agonizing, nobody could have changed it. Peter's prayers couldn't have changed it. Even Jesus' prayers that he prayed and he was sweating blood didn't change the situation. Nobody could have changed it. What he needed was strengthening. And if you read Luke chapter 22 verse 43, the Bible said at the point an angel came and strengthened him. In your moment of weakness, may, may God send an invisible minister to touch you and to minister strength unto you. In the name of Jesus. That's why the psalmist said, I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It gets to a place where no human being can help you. It is only divine intervention. 
and do you receive that divine intervention in the name of Jesus nugget number three when Jesus Christ went through the whole trial thing there were a lot of things that happened such that after he resurrected he should have had little little fights with people expected that after Jesus died and resurrected, he will walk out to those people and tell them certain things. Number one is Peter. Ah, if I were Jesus, oh, when I resurrected, where is Peter? Where, where, where is that guy? Where is that two no guy? You talk, get, 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 get. I would have given him a very good rebuke. Lamasa, don't run your mouth by heart. Don't say things you know you can't do. I'd have given him a good dressing down. I told him, didn't I tell you? When a prophet is talking, you don't listen. I told you, you would deny me not once, not twice, but three times. And you did not disappoint. Oh, I would have said something to Peter. It would have set my spirit at ease. But the first time Jesus met Peter, that was when they were all gathered in a room and he entered without opening the doors. Instead of calling out, Peter, have you seen my face? <laughs> the Bible said he breathed on them and imparted the Holy Spirit. He didn't have time for unnecessary battles. Nugget number three. Don't be distracted by unnecessary battles. Don't be distracted. Unnecessary fights. Don't be distracted. Oh, Jesus knew what he was, he was about. He wasn't going to engage in these unnecessary things. The battle with Peter was just one of them. Me, there are people I would have visited. I'm telling you the truth. I've died, gone to hell, come back, I'm alive. Keys of death and hell in my hands. Oh man, I will visit some people. I will visit some people. Number one, Pontius Pilate. Oh my God. And now to the other glorified body. Oh, lucky don't come about. I shall appear there. I shall appear. Pontius Pilate. I will visit him. Say you. Where is the bowl that you use to wash your heart? To wash your hands off my case. You knew I was innocent. But you didn't speak for me. Oh, I would have said something to him. The chief priests, Caiaphas and Annas. I'm telling you, I would have visited them. I would have visited them. The guy who spat on his face. Oh my God. <laughs> the spitting cobra. <laughs> I would have visited him. Say, hey. 
the guy who attempted to arrest him in the garden and Peter cut his ear. In fact, Jesus was very kind. Me, the ear, I'd have turned it upside down. The tragus <laughs> would have gone to another angle. When people see you, it's a sign that you are a mere man. You attempted to arrest a god. You goti policeman. You are supposed to arrest thieves and criminals. You want to arrest an innocent god. It will be a sign for you the rest of your life. I mean, when you see, he will be known as the man with the upside down ear. Yes, upside down. When it says six, you hear it as nine to ten. Say M, you hear it as W. Because <laughs> your ear has been turned upside down. Oh, I would have done things to show people. But you see, Jesus didn't have time for unnecessary battles. There are some of you, eh? The day God answers a certain prayer, there are some people, there are some people. Some people, there are some people you must visit. There, there are some places the day God gives you that car, there are some places you must pass. You want to pass for them to see you because that day that you were walking, you greeted them. They said, Look, 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 yeah, it sounds like a good thing to do. Thou prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> some of you, the day you get married, there are some places you go and pass. And the walkings. For some people to see, you will wave them with your left hand. naked this was somebody who was the talk of the town hey this powerful guy this, 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 this. and then the next day you are hanging naked the cloth they put on him is just for respect he was stuck okay? because Roman culture they, they crucified the people stuck naked look how that he went through he had every reason to prove a point you know the prayer I prayed this morning when I was thanking Jesus Christ for the cross. I told him, thank you for not trying to prove yourself. Because if he had tried to prove himself, it would have meant he would have come down from the cross. Because people tempted him that if you are the son of God, look at you hanging there, naked, we can see you. We can see you, you, you. Why I don't know? They. That must have been very tempting. Because he could have come down from the cross. He said, I can tell my father to bring how many legions? 12 legions. One legion is 6,000 angels. 72,000 angels. One can kill 70,000. One can kill 185,000. 
you can imagine the kind of carnage that, have, that would have taken place for him to show that indeed he is the king of glory. It was tempting. But thank God he didn't come down from that cross. I wonder what would have happened to the earth. I wonder what would have happened to the human race if he had taken up that talent. But you see, there are people you want to revenge on. But vengeance is mine, say the Lord. Just leave it to God. Leave it to God. Don't, don't try to prove anything to anybody. When God does that thing, uh, stay in your house and sing and, and glorify him. Give a testimony in church. Go and pass in front of someone and be singing some, you know the songs that they are telling you something. They want you to catch the message and catch the revelation of the song. All those things are necess- unnecessary. Don't waste your time. Yeah, sing, see what the Lord has done. Ah, it's a good song to sing now. What we waited for has come to pass. It's a good song to sing. See what the Lord has done. All right, if I allow you, sing this song for the next five minutes. How many nuggets have I given you? Three. Hey. And this one yet. Hmm. Nugget number four. When Jesus was on the cross, at the lowest ebb, I don't think any human being could have been at a lower point in their life than how low Jesus was on the cross. Can you imagine this all-powerful guy opening blind eyes, raising the dead like, you know, unstoppable. But suddenly he looks so vulnerable. Hanging there naked. And it's not like it's only men who were allowed. Women, everybody looking at him. Mocking him. Uh-huh. And then one of the guys I would have visited, if I was Jesus, was the guy that when he said he wanted water to drink, he went and gave him bitter waters. I will give you a bitter experience. You will have a bitter experience. <laughs> you will have a bitter experience. Jesus was at his lowest point in his life. Physically, the man was down. He had been lashed. 39. They say 40 save one. Because the Jews believe that that lashing is so severe that if you are given the last one, you will die. You won't survive. So they'll give you 40 minus one, which is 39. And technically, those lashes are not 39 lashes. And I'll explain. The kind of whip they use, eh? It had one handle and eight ends. And the ends had hooks. So one lash is actually like eight. And it's not just lashes. The hooks enter the skin. And when they are pulling it out, it pulls out the skin, the fat, subcutaneous tissue and some muscle. 39. Physically, the man was down. No wonder he said, I'm thirsty. Evidence of hypovolemic shock. Physically, the guy was battered. Emotionally. Out of the 12 disciples, one betrayed him. That is a dagger in his heart already. He was left with 11. And out of the 11, 10 were nowhere to be found. Abandoned. 
when he needed them the most. These were the guys who were always around him. Even children cried, hey, don't come. They had all abandoned him except John. Emotionally, he was at his lowest point. Spiritually, he was at his lowest point. Because he couldn't feel the presence of God. God had been with him every step of the way. The Bible said Jesus went about doing good, healing the sick. Why? Because God was with him. Every step of the way, God was with him. And suddenly, God had disappeared. He is calling his father and his father is not minding him. Earthly father was not there. Joseph, we didn't hear of Joseph being there. At least Mary, we know, was at the cross. As of mothers, they will be with you every step of the way. Earthly father had disappeared. Heavenly father too, I'm calling you. You are saying, Charlie, where is strategy? A strategy mean to me, if you say, yeah, I can't mind you now. Strategy. I'm trying to bring alive what Jesus was feeling at that particular point in time. Lowest point in his life. But he needed a certain spark. A little push to help him to cross over the finish line. And that push didn't come from an expected source. It came from a very unexpected source. A source that was even questionable. I'm talking about the thief by Jesus' side. When he just opened his mouth and said, Remember me when you enter your kingdom. I believe those words was like glucose in the bloodstream of a fasting man. Suddenly some energy came out. It's like, I need to finish this thing. I need to cross the line. Suddenly the temptation to prove himself was like, No. these people can't get me to buckle down at this point in time nugget number four sometimes the help you need at your lowest moments can come from unexpected sources the thief he was a thief there are managers and CEOs whose businesses have been saved by the messenger in the office. By one thing they will, one piece of advice. Or something they will spot and report that boss, look at this, look at that, look at that. Sometimes it will come from unexpected sources. I pray that in that low moment of your life, when the enemy is battering you, may, may some help come from some unexpected source in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Open your eyes and open your minds. Because you don't know how God would, would choose to deliver you from a certain situation. Nugget number four. Nugget number five. Joseph of Arimathea, he gave Jesus Christ his tomb. The tomb Jesus Christ lay in was Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. He was a very rich man. And actually, he was part of the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and Sadducees and whatever. He was part of them. He went and negotiated for Jesus' body and they gave it unto him. You see, that is why we need godly people in the corridors of power. We need godly people in politics. We need godly people in parliament. We need godly people to to sit where decisions are made. 
that's why when I see Christians who want to do politics, I encourage them. If you're here, you want to do politics, receive the grace to do the politics. We can't leave the corridors of power to unbelievers for them to bring LGBT, for them to bring a comprehensive child sexuality, something, something, and all of those things. No. We need people who sit at the places where the decisions are made so they can influence the decisions. Joseph of Arimathea was there and he said, look, this one, I won't allow you people to go and bury this guy in a mass grave. If Jesus had been buried in a mass, unmarked grave, but the, 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 the authenticity of his resurrection would have been questioned. But he needed to be in a place where up to now you can point to that grave and tell that Jesus Christ laid down here. The grave that he had made for himself. Those days it was only rich people who had their private graves. He said, I'll put him inside. But you see, when he gave the grave to Jesus, he thought Jesus was going to lie in it forever. But after three days, he got it back. And value had been added to that grave. Lesson number five. Anything you give to God, he'll give it back to you with value added to it. The truth is that he doesn't need anything. Jesus didn't need the grave. It was just for shaky reasons. He just borrowed it for a number of days. After three days, he got it back. That huge sacrifice that he made, he got it back. And why am I saying with value added? That grave is a tourism site now. Imagine Joseph of Arimathea had put some copyright on that thing. His grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren would have made money out of that thing years and decades and millennia afterwards. That place is a precious place now. That place is, is, is a place of value. So don't relent when you have to give something to God. Because the truth is that he doesn't need it. And he will definitely give it back to you. And when he gives it back to you, it will come with value added. Look at the little boy. The little boy who gave his five loaves of bread and two fish. He put it in Jesus' hands. And look at what it became. He was able to feed 5,000 men and an unnamed number of women and children. And afterwards, there was 12 baskets surplus. If they were going to share the surplus, who do you think will be the first person they will call to give some of the surplus to? At least one bag be there, he'll get to go home with it. Unless it was Judas Iscariot who was sharing it. If it was Judas, I can't be sure. That guy is some way. Or maybe because it's 12 back the apostles will decide, say, Charlie, there are 12 of us. Charlie, yeah, they come here hearing the name Yemba. We'll make a pastoral decree. But I pray that God will give you a giving heart. And you put your resources in the hands of God. And he will multiply it and add value to it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That was nugget number one. Number five. Number six. Nugget number six. Remain calm in the face of adversity. That is the lesson. Look at Jesus' calmness. Look at Jesus'. Jesus was calm throughout. Like, you know, you would have expected there were times he should have been angry. 
This one is for those of you who have anger issues. Jesus should have been angry. He had every reason to be angry. One of them was the fact that do you know his trial was an illegal trial? It was an illegal trial. In the first place, it was the Passover night. That night is a holy night. Everybody is supposed to be in their house. That day of the Passover, the instruction was for them to stay indoors. So they were actually supposed to stay indoors that day. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, how did they even come out of their houses to meet and, and start deciding that this guy were going to kill him? And it is believed that, that, that Sahindrin, they were made up of about 71 people. How were they able to gather 71 people in the darkness? Like, remember, those days there were no mobile phones. There was nothing like a WhatsApp group. That you put it there, that emergency meeting. No phones, nothing. How were they able to gather the people? It's very possible they didn't even have a quorum. But you see, they wanted to push an agenda. Just like what happens in parliament now. Numbers. Numbers. These people, two of them have corona. Let's take, let's table this thing right now. With the numbers we have, we can push. Historians even believe that in that meeting, there were some of the people in the Sahindrin who were supporters of Jesus, like Nicodemus and things like that. They made sure they were not there. They didn't call them for the meeting. So we'll call those who we know can push this agenda. It was an illegal meeting. They broke the law in so many ways. One of the ways they broke the law is that the law says when you are going to convict somebody to the point of death, there must be at least two or three witnesses to speak against the person. And the person must, be, must also be allowed to call witnesses. Nobody came and spoke against Jesus Christ. And they didn't even give him the chance to call witnesses. If Jesus was given the chance to call witnesses, I know some people who would have come. Lazarus would have been there. He would tell them, look, I died for four days. Do you know what I saw? Say, Caiaphas, you. I saw you and it's like there was fire, 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 fire. Like you were getting here to some fire. You would have called Lazarus. You would have called Bartimius. Bartimius would have come and said, look, this man is not an ordinary man. I was born blind. I had never seen this man prayed for me. And now I can see. I can see the woman with the issue of blood coming. Now her HB has risen to 14. After being two or three for 12 years. Come and say, look at me now. See what God has done. See what God has used this man to do. This man is innocent. You can't kill him. He's not a bad man. He's rather transforming people's lives. And then the 5,000 people who got the bread, they will storm the place in their numbers. Oh, we were hungry. This man miraculously multiplied bread and we were fed. You cannot kill him. Jesus would have had many witnesses to speak for him. But they didn't give him that chance because they had an agenda. Jesus could have protested. Come. I pray that God will give you the grace to be calm even in the face of adversity. Jesus could have thrown a tantrum. Jesus could have just done all kinds of things. May you remain calm in the face of adversity. And the last nugget is that you have to know that there is glory at the end of every kind of pain. There is glory 
at the end of the pain. It will not be pain forever. It will not be misfortune forever. Something is going to turn at a point in time. Something is going to change at a point in time. Something is going to be reversed at a point in time. From the beginning of this agony, it was agony and pain and, and sorrow right through the, 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 the streets. They were beating him. They were mocking him. It was pain, 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 pain. Until it got to a place where things started reversing. When Jesus died, things started reversing. Suddenly there was darkness. Three hours. Eclipse of the sun. People's thoughts and ideas started changing. Hey, why is the earth so dark? Suddenly, the earth began to shake. They realized that this man was not an ordinary man. To the extent that one of the soldiers opened his mouth and said, Indeed, this man was the son of God. And the temple's curtain rent into two. If that had not happened, you wouldn't be able to sing songs like, I'll make room for two. Two. You and who? You make room for two. You and who? You be able to sing songs like, The one I love is ever before me. But when the, 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 the curtain was rent into two, he said the mystery behind the Holy of Holies has been broken. And now enter boldly into the throne room of God. Come and experience intimacy at a different level. Things were beginning to change. The mystery of the temple or the concept of the temple was now changing. Now the temple was no longer a, 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 a that was made with the hands of men and women but it became our bodies things were beginning to reverse Caiaphas during the trial the bible said he rent his clothes but if you read Leviticus it is a law that a high priest should not tear his clothes the moment he tore his clothes it meant he was resigning as a high priest it looked like a mere physical act but in the spirit a handing over ceremony was taking place because the nature of the priesthood was turning and the nature of the priesthood was being changed from the Aaronic and Levitical priesthood to the priesthood of Jesus after the order of Melchizedek a handing over ceremony was taking place things were beginning to change he died and entered hell were rejoicing that we finished this guy we have killed him but suddenly I believe the gates of hell opened and standing there was the man they thought they had killed I don't know who, who, who thinks you are finished I don't know who thinks that, they, that the situation is over with you but just as Jesus Christ surprised them in hell just as Jesus Christ appeared in hell and the Bible says that Jesus having spoke principalities and powers he made an open show of them triumphing over them the situation is about to change in the name of Jesus the story is about to turn in the name of Jesus you have reached a point where the calf is about to turn in the name of Jesus you have been through pain for a very long time you have been through hardship for a very long time Jesus went through a period of hardship but the turning point started and I feel in my spirit that today Good Friday marks the beginning of a turn around for somebody in a particular situation in your life name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth the son of the living God and I stand in the authority and the power of the word of God and I predict and I prophesy and turn around I don't know
know what situation needs a turn around in your life. I don't know what situation needs a turn around in your existence. But today I speak under the power and under the influence of the Spirit of God. And I prophesy a turn around. I prophesy a shift. I prophesy a changing of the script. I prophesy a changing of the story. Maybe it is a story of chronic poverty, chronic indebtedness, chronic sin. But today, chronic witnesses be certain things. But today, as we mark the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I prophesy a turnaround in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Just as Jesus defeated the devil and he came up and said, I am he who died, but I'm alive forevermore. And the keys of death and hell are in my hands. Today, may the Lord place a certain key in your hands. A key that will unlock you from a certain situation. A key that will open a certain prison door. A key that will break jail for you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, wherever you are, lift up your voice and begin to pray right now.
It is an entire package. On the night of the Passover, God instructed the people of Israel, when you kill that unblemished lamb, he said, eat everything. Don't leave anything out. This was a foreshadow of Jesus. And today marks the day that lamb has been sacrificed for us. And we must eat the whole thing. Because in him there is deliverance. In him there is healing. In him there is prosperity. And today as you eat it, whatever aspect of the power of the resurrection that you need, I want you to speak to him right now. Maybe it's a sickness that is in your body. Maybe it is an aspect of your life in which the devil has tied you. Maybe it is some things that are not progressing well in your life. I want you in the next two minutes to just speak to God and tell him that as I take the communion today, let that thing break. Let that thing be turned around. Lift up your voice and pray in the name of Jesus. information reach us on 024-873-7250 or on our facebook page the overflow worship center stay blessed overflow, overflow. overflow. overflow.